0: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: This week on the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, global chief marketing officer, direct to consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
3: Welcome to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today I'm delighted to be joined by Stevie Mullen. Welcome back Stevie.
4: Thanks for having me Paul. Delighted to be here.
3: It's always a pleasure to have you Stevie. There's been loads happening over the last week uh, since you last in. You were our resident European pundit for a couple of weeks there. We scraped through. uh, We got through it. And uh, now we can talk about the upcoming game. And there's a few issues with regards to things we didn't think were going to be issues. Um, So talk to us about the last week in the world of Celtic. What do you want to to bring up? What do you want to highlight?
4: I think it would be good, to think, some positive news for the Celtic fans and some guys, individuals and persons, just to congratulate them. I think the first one would be Young Declan, who's a regular contributor to the show. He's got elected as president of the University of Glasgow Celtic Supporters Club he's a great young man but with a common friend in Jimmy Curry and the last time I went up to visit Jimmy and Mary Marie before he sadly passed away on his really his deathbed all I spoke about was young Declan you know and how much he'd helped him during his illness so I know Declan would be delighted to know that Jimmy thought so highly of him, and I think he would have done anything to promote Declan so Jimmy will be in heaven looking down and Declan really really happy so that's the first bit the other bit is Aaron and Siobhan Connolly who start donate a time to tackle mm-hmm. the mental health organisation, mm-hmm. they've confirmed that they're going to be expecting twins. Now Aaron's been brave enough to come out and talk about some of his darkest days. Yeah. And Thomas Fuller, the theolog- theologian in history in 1650, made a statement, darkness is always, the darkest it's just the hour before the dawn. So hopefully Aaron and Siobhan have heard that and now they're coming into the light of the dawn. You know, with the, expecting to to the twins so congratulations to them and to my own young nephew Andy McLaughlin who's probably better known as Pingu who started a walk and talk mental health group they're now doing weekly sessions and there's boxing training PE training and Andrew's had some real personal issues which he seems to be coming through so just wish to him congratulations say well done
3: no, that's brilliant. I think it's always important, Stevie, um, to give people a wee bit of credit in the world of Celtic. You, you get to know a lot of folk in, in the world of Celtic. I mean, see, when I started writing um, my book, uh, one thing that became pretty clear back in 2010, as it was 10 years ago, that's scary, is that Celtic fans were willing to help you with, with absolutely no other reason... There was no condition, they just wanted to help you. So I've met some incredible people, because what happens is you're a Celtic fan and you go through that process of going to the games and meeting people on the bus and all the different characters and personalities, Stevie, and you realise that you you feel a sense of belonging at Celtic Park because these are your people um, and you've got so much in common. But then, when I started moving into the realms of trying to speak to people to to pull a book together, I realised, A, that I didn't know as much about Celtic as I thought I did, uh, because then you start talking to people that whose minds are unbelievable in terms of the history and facts and figures, but the amount of folk that just come in, and they're just genuinely good people. So it's great to definitely highlight that. So a great shout-out to we Declan. You will have seen Declan McConville on this podcast a few times. Uh, Declan also joined us in the early days when we used to record in Stirling, yep. and he's written for the website. And hopefully there's a bright future for, for Declan in Scottish journalism, However that may look and appear in the, in the years to come, because he's, he's a young guy just starting off, Stevie, and uh, he's a good Celtic man.
4: I've met him a few times. I think Declan would be able to adapt, even as the media comes into a new generation of publicity and how it works. Declan will adapt to that. He's a lovely, likeable lad, eh, and I can't thank him enough for what he'd done for Jimmy and for being elected as the president of the university. He a great, great... Uh,
3: Accolade for a young man. Good on you Declan, hopefully you're uh, tuning in and if so give us a shout. Uh, we're going to be talking about a few things, I mean we, we led with the fact that Celtic supporters are there and they're always there, I must admit that um, I was very annoyed at myself that I never got to meet Tommy Burns you know, um, my first game I ever went to Stevie was Tommy Burns' testimonial and there was so much about that game that when I look back, was important and relevant in my Celtic support in life. You always remember your first game. I always find it weird when people say, I can't actually remember who we were playing. I remember everyone vividly that day. And uh, Dalglish was the, the manager, or player manager, Did he stopped playing at that time. He certainly didn't play that day for Liverpool. And then Danny McGrain came on the park at the end of the game where Tommy had been freed in the pre-season. But I never met Tommy, unfortunately. But those those words resonate with Celtic. It may, I mean... Simple words, but they resonate all these years later. They're there and they're always there now. That means a lot. That means a lot to you and I and everybody else tuning in. But we were chatting before we came on, Stevie, and uh, you made a fantastic point because we touched on during the week there, we touched on the fact that where we are just now, you know, as Celtic supporters, we're um, facing massive challenges. And again, we'll touch on things that have happened this week in relation to the coronavirus and the lockdown and the pandemic and people might be sick of listening to that so we won't labour that side of it but what it comes down to is that our club will survive because of the fans.
4: Definitely, Tommy Burns was a great man, great man, lucky enough to meet Tommy on numerous occasions, spent a lot of time with him, an absolutely wonderful, funny guy, great knowledge of football but an absolute gentleman. My take on this, when Tommy made that famous statement, it was about looking up to the Celtic supporters. They were there, in spirit, in person, and vocally. But I think it's really relevant to three occasions in the past and in the present where it's not a match that's involved. If we take it back to the formation, and it's brother Walfred, John Glass, Hugh Darrock amongst others who rightly get the praise for starting Celtic Football Club. But the Celtic fans at that time turned up after their work, if they were unemployed, to build the stadium. Mm -hmm. So that was their contribution to start the club and give us a stadium that was really our spiritual home. If we move fast forward to Fergus McCann, Brian Dempsey, Celts for Change, coming in for the share issue, changing the shape of the club. But Fergus speaks fondly and astonished that when he was looking at the windy and the Celtic fans were snaked down Kerrydale Street by the old nursery, by the ticket the old ticket office with their forums in their hand and the money they'd stole for their children's piggy banks to invest in Celtic Football Club. Yeah. The emotion the fans invested, that was that time. This season, we've got Peter Law, we've got Dermot Desmond, we've got Neil Lennon, but the Celtic fans knowing fine well they weren't going to get in to see a game invested. So the transfer window, great for the club, and the the, the men I've spoken about I greatly admire, but my admiration for the Celtic fans and giving that money, they fans, and I was emotional on Monday night after the transfer window, those fans bought Celtic and ensured Celtic would win 10 in a row on Monday night by their... Financial backing of the club. Mm-hmm. We kept everybody. We bought all the good players. Now, I don't think there's a Celtic fan who believed that we would hold on to all our players after we could beat <laughs> with Ferridge Farros. We thought we'd sell one and maybe two. Yeah, We've not done any of that. And that's down to the Celtic fans. This is their time and they stepped up to the plate big time. And as a Celtic fan, I can't thank them enough for backing the club
3: you're 100% right Stevie I mean looking back to those uh, days leading up to the transfer window we spoke about it on here I reckon we would lose one I thought we'd definitely lose one but there was also that we niggling thought in the back of my mind um, the one that we were going to lose was going to be N Cham in my mind but then Ryan Christie there was a, a niggling uh, doubt in my mind that he would still be a Celtic player after the transfer window closed but you're right the only way the club um, could take that stance and not only keep her. Our best players, but bring in some real quality was due to the investment of the Celtic supporters. And today, of all days, you've got to remember that. I mean, this is difficult. This is difficult for Celtic fans and just the public in general. A very, very difficult time. We're facing times we'll never ever face again in 20 or 30 years if I'm still lucky enough to be here Steve, we'll, we'll look back on these times just like your grandparents look back on on the war time, you know and um, it'll be alien to the future generations as to what is happening and what we are currently living and the only way that we can get through that with the club intact is put, by putting our hands in our pockets and being loyal and being the best supporters in the world which I truly believe as cliche as it sounds I truly believe Celtic fans
4: are The share issue took place It was the most successful club issue ever. Mm -hmm. This is our war, Paul. This is our war. You speak to your parents, your grandparents, and they talk about the war effort. This is an invisible war we're fighting. There's no planes, there's no tanks, there's no troops, but we're fighting a war. And the Celtic fans' war effort was to keep the club alive. When we spoke in a previous podcast and you asked, who's the dangers to 10 in a row? I stated it would only be within Celtic. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe we won 10 a row on Monday night. And I think... say I'm a great fan of Peter Law and Dermot Desmond, but my admiration for the Celtic fans this week has been up a notch. And I know they made the investment earlier on, but it was their investment that allowed this to happen. Yeah.
3: Th- that's why I think sometimes when... And we've spoken about it this week, when, when people in the media who were so-called Celtic-minded, who were all of a Celtic state of mind... Come out and criticise the club because you take it personally. You actually take it personally, Stevie.
4: I, I think Hugh McDonald. I listened to him speaking about Charlie, and but probably that's who you're talking about. He says if you're doing a, a piece for a paper and you make the piece and it's something that everybody agrees with, you should put it in the bin. If Charlie Nicholas genuinely believes what he wrote or was allowed to be printed in his name the other day, then I've got serious concerns about Charlie. You know that maybe his mental health's not in a great state. Because you really couldn't write that article with pure clarity. Mm -hmm. It was so much nonsense.
3: Uh, Saying that we take the the cheap option. Now, we're going to be um, speaking about the upcoming game. There's so much to to consider about the upcoming game. And the story, of course, Stevie, that's been all over the press, and quite rightly so, is that uh, we've been hit with the coronavirus. Um, Our playing staff has been hit. ...and affected by the coronavirus. So we spoke yesterday about Odson-Edouard... ...and please don't for a moment think that we're taking it lightly... ...that uh, a footballer is um, positive with coronavirus... ...but he'll be alright because he's a footballer. So concerns are there for the, the health um, and the fitness of odson Edward first and foremost. If he doesn't play against Rangers... As long as he's okay, that's the most important thing. Of course, as football fans, we want him to be playing against Rangers. But looking at the date and the timeline, Steve, it looks as though he's going to be coming back the, the day or the night before the game. On the Friday night, he's going to return back to Scotland. They, that set of circumstances isn't ideal, even if he's ready to go and he's fit and it's not affected him that much.
4: I think it's a ludicrous situation that we're playing international football at all yes. during this current pandemic. It's too dangerous it sort of relates to, to something. I heard the show at the weekend with yourself, Colin, Lawrence, and I heard you speaking out with the guys, including Kevin, on Monday, and about the refereeing performance. Mm-hmm. If I had anything to do with Celtic, I'm not a great one for coming out and making written statements unless it's really relevant. I would have withdrawn all the Celtic players from the Scotland squad mm-hmm. and just left it at that. Then when they come back, then I've obviously got the right to reply and I would have stated it said the brutality of the St. Johnson players, on Sunday, the ineptitude of Nick Walsh not to challenge that brutality. So all my players were injured. That would have prevented this, and it would have killed two birds with one stone. Because if you deny the, S- the Scotland national team the use of our players, then we wouldn't be having this talk. I know Eddie's away with France, but if you're in your social bubble, which you are when you're domestic league. I don't think we should be allowed to get into another domestic bubble. When you're getting all these restrictions as an individual placed in you, then I don't think even the elite support players should be allowed to go to a different country.
3: It seems ludicrous. Stephen, I know, like you say there, um, when you're an elite sports person, you're getting that level of testing, and that's obviously the the caveat, I think. But um, the flip side of that is there's people who can't travel to see their, their loved ones in different regions. And, you know... They're travelling all over the world They're getting groups of players together Who are travelling from all over the world To be part of the camp They're then travelling to another country to play the games It's inevitable that uh, there are going to be outbreaks And that's exactly what we've seen The Ryan Christie situation uh, We we spoke about Christie just a moment ago In relation to the will he stay or will he go uh, Leading up to transfer deadline day And I think you're of the same mind as me it was it was so important to keep Ryan Christie. Um yesterday there was a wee bit of criticism about um Christie and, and uh, I had to look at my notes just for the second half of the the last European game where he was he was part of everything we did creatively. Everything we created in the second half against Sarajevo came through Ryan Christie, be that a corner, a cross, a pass, a shot. Um I mean the goal itself came from a strike from Ryan Christie that was spilled by the goalkeeper. But it seems to me that you know, if you stick rigidly to the rules as they've been set out, it's going to be extremely unfair and a lack of common sense, actually, that Ryan Christie is going to miss the Rangers game.
4: You can go and I know, don't want to get too political, but Jason Leach gets great praise in this country for his handling of the COVID pandemic. But he made a comment last week that at this, at this time the pubs were to close at 10pm. But at the Scotland-Israel game was to get into extra time and penalties, he was quite happy for the pubs to stay open to the game finished. So they save a wee hotline to the COVID germ and say, listen, just stay away for the last half. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing
1: Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for
4: more. Because it's got to go to penalties. Some of the things that they're coming up with is absolutely nonsensical. You know, I think it was great with Mike Mulraney last week coming up and going, this is a political thing, it's not a scientific thing mm-hmm. to stop crowds going back to football. Because I'm greatly aware of this pandemic, I've lost some people to it, but we need to be a wee bit more rational, mm-hmm. you know, in what we're doing. Now, I'm not the expert, but surely everybody can see one of the causes of the rise is the students and the schools going back. But we're not closing them again. No. Because there's too much money coming into the universities and to the halls of residence where the students are coming back.
3: So then it becomes political. It becomes political. The big thing I would say at this uh, juncture, Stevie, is on a Celtic state of mind, we're here to talk about Celtic the situation we're in at the moment is we need to speak about the coronavirus because our players are being affected by it. And if we're going to talk about the upcoming fixture, then we can't avoid it. Um, a lot of people come on on the comments, normally after the broadcast is finished, and I see them the following morning, Stevie, giving a stick because we are falling for the government hoax, which is the coronavirus uh, pandemic. And that beggars belief. I've had people coming on and making comments that, You know, we are being controlled because we're agreeing to wear masks. The the coronavirus doesn't exist. That kind of thing, Celtic fan or not, you're getting blocked. That's just a nonsense. Anybody that comes away with that obviously hasn't lost anybody to this horrific illness. You know, and uh, people whose partners or family members might be working on the front line know exactly how it's affecting people on a secondary level as well. So I'm just not having that. If anybody comes on and makes that kind of comment, they're just getting blocked.
4: You've got conspiracy theorists and everybody, you know, and if that's what they believe, then g- good on them. But th- this disease is real. Why would they try and shut down the whole world the way it is done? W- what would be the poli- political gains for anybody to shut us down the way they've done and really tank the economy in most of the countries? Mm-hmm. I-, I couldn't really see a reasoning for that.
3: No, and the difficult f- d- difficulty for me, Steve, it's affecting everybody, so it's going to come into co- conversation in any case, but this is a Celtic broadcast. We're talking about Edward and Christy who have been affected directly or indirectly with this virus. We're going to discuss it and we make no apology for discussing it. And anybody out there who has lost anybody uh, to this terrible illness, you know, my heart goes out to them because it's horrific. It's uh, unpredictable and it's it's changing, you know. So by the time uh, we get a handle on it, it might have changed again. So it's a moving target, isn't it?
4: Well, again, everybody's got their own wee personal story. My uncle Frank died very early, and Frank was an elderly man and was affected greatly by it. But my auntie Jean, who'd been married to Frank for 65 years, at that time she couldn't attend his funeral mm. because she was shielding. So if anybody tells me that's not a horror story, and her family weren't allowed to get into her house, now Jean's a very strong, powerful woman, even for her age, her family had to stay at the window and look in at their mum grieving. So don't tell me it doesn't exist because I I would strongly disagree with you on
3: that. 100% Stevie. Now we're going to have a look at some of the comments that are coming in. At one point I wanted the audience to see you in all your glory Stevie so you took up the whole screen. But when I did that (laughs) your sound cut off. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I love though is that the people watching tell you straight away. So that's brilliant. Thank you very much for the comments. Uh, But you're back. You're back now. Uh, Kevin Graham, good afternoon troops. Kevin, uh, I'm looking forward to you coming back in to see us. If you're allowed on Monday. And uh, Stephen Forbes mentions that he was listening to an appearance that I made on a, a separate podcast. If we're all mentioned separate podcasts, Football CFB, of course we are, because um, it's Callum McFadden who runs that one, and he'll be joining us next week at some point. And learn that we're around the same age, we're both paper boys and played left back. Then you've got it. well, played is pushing it a wee bit in my case, Stephen. Uh, imagine an Axe FC, which positions would the other pundits play? Well, I'm probably talking to the star and man, Stephen, because you had a bit of a career yourself playing uh, midfield, or
4: was it? Midfield, sweeper.
3: yeah. Sweeper, there's a dying art, right? Or, or a dead art. Nobody plays sweeper these days.
4: No. Play three at the back, get a sweeper, get Martin Bucking, type player. Mm-hmm. Can he beat it?
3: Now, will there ever be a place in the game for a sweeper uh, again, Stevie? Can you, because the game's changing all the time. Sometimes people do something really basic like, oh, let's switch to a four-three-three, and it's like revolutionary, you know, because that's what we're seeing at the moment with Atalanta. So um, will we ever see the return of the sweeper? I thought it was quite an iconic position, you know. It was the coolest player on the park played sweeper.
4: I think now because of your goalkeepers being so talented, mm-hmm. you know, they're sort of sweeper keepers, aren't they? Uh, Again, if you were going to be playing a team, and very few teams do it, you know, and you had two big centre forwards, then if it was Celtic, for example, you could match up Julian, Duffy, and I could sweep. And and it's the easiest position in the world to play if you've got good positional sense. Mm -hmm. Everybody else is doing your work and you just look good.
3: Hey, listen, that's all right. Yeah, yeah I could love with that. Um, I mean, who else would play uh, elsewhere on the pitch? Kevin Graham, I think, holds a, a, a local record for the most unused substitute appearances. So he would be carrying the hampers. I um, is decorating afternoon and uh, welcome back. You're watching on YouTube. For anyone who is watching on YouTube and you have not subscribed, please click on the subscribe button because we are trying to build up the audience as much as we possibly can. Red Scotland was more of a hatchet man with pace and strength and a first touch like an elephant what was it they said you could trap a ball further and I could kick it no. that's what it sounds like
4: you, um, on phone
3: you know I, you, I love when you talk to somebody and they tell you about all that niggling elbow injury that stopped them it prevented them <laughs> from progressing in the world of football maybe you just weren't good enough you know but uh, we all played with some great players if you were to Think back, Stevie, to somebody who might you know, not be known um that you played with that should've made the grade. Everybody knows somebody that should have made it. Who would who Jerry would your Griffin. player be?
4: Yeah. Jerry Griffin. Jerry Griffin was a sensational footballer. Came from Springburn, one of the rougher areas of North Glasgow. Again, had a, a liking for the old booze. Mm. Jerry, we played for St Catherine's Boys Guild at under eighteens and we got to the semi final Scotch Cup, which was unheard of for a boys' guild team. Jerry then get invited because we played St Francis's of Dundee in the semi final at James McGrory Park although it was probably Mill Park at that time. Jerry then got invited up to Tanadice for a week's trial, which you usually Jim McLean at that time had boys in for thirteen and fourteen. Yeah. Jerry get invited up at eighteen. Tuesday night, someday it's a plant and the digs asked Jerry, do you want to go for a pint? Jerry, Spring bump, no problem, my friend, I'm with you. And get found in a hedge the next day. You know, and said down the road but it had absolutely everything that you would have looked for in a set of forward very Duncan Ferguson like real real good talented player Jerry Griffin
3: Duncan Ferguson like now Celtic fans may not like me saying this but I thought he was a tremendous striker and had things gone differently not only with his injuries but obviously with his falling out with the SFA he would have been a great Scotland striker as well
4: he when he left Paradise, should have came to us mhm you know, and then he would have progressed to England. But the way, he's still in the regard, He's still held held by the Everton fans after all these years it tells you everything you know about his talent as a footballer, a real, real talent.
3: Oh, brilliant! Now, Paul Campbell, you're tuning in from Düsseldorf in Germany. I love hearing uh, where our listeners are listening from because uh, we do sometimes get the analytics, which is a big thing in football these days, Stevie And it tells us that they're from far-flung places like, uh, you know, Venezuela and Costa Rica And that just, I I think that baffles me, like, you know, but it's great, it's great Uh, And that's why sometimes, obviously, we need to make sure that we're verbalising words properly So that um, we can go beyond the rap lock in Stirling and and, uh, Fife villages and places like that Uh, But Fife's the place to be at the moment, is it not? How's that? Oh, you can come to Fife, come to Fife, get a bevy (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
4: <laughs> <laughs> the weekend.
3: <laughs> Dominant Decade Green and White You're commenting on YouTube Paul I would like to highlight The work of the board And congratulate them For backing the manager It goes back to the, the point You opened with Stevie Brilliant Absolutely delighted With the board But the, the, the real You know the backbone there The backbone That's allowed us to do that Is the support The
4: supporters have allowed it But we would have to have had the, the backing of the board. I don't even think this would have just been simply a Peter Lowell or Dermot decision. I think they would have had to the a board meeting to go, listen, this is what we're going through, the loss of revenue, how are we going to cover it? As I say, in previous years, I no doubt we would have sold at least two players. I think the board, personally and business-wise, have bought into 10 in a row and realised the magnitude of what we might achieve this season.
3: Well... What happens is we talk about the ten, we talk about ten in a row all the time, and I mean, what I try and do is I try and think about what it actually means. What does it mean to the Celtic fan base? And for me, I'm 42 almost, Stevie. For for my um, Celtic support and career, what career life? What it means is um, there's a there's a nine in a row which I think is untainted, and that uh, was Celtic's original nine in a row. The, the second nine in a row in Scottish football, for me, uh, I think there's always a question mark about the validity of that, that nine. And, but in the record books, it's 9v9, nine nine. and the only way that you can airbrush that is by beating it. And th- that is why I think the 10 is so important. Celtic, then, doesn't matter what your perception is of who won what and um, the validity of those honours, Celtic have won 10, nobody can argue.
4: I, I slightly disagree with you. I don't think there's any ambiguity about we nine either. We, we, we won that fair and square. Leagues all over Europe are getting called the same. We, we've won nine titles in a row. It wouldn't have mattered if it would have been played to its entirety. We would have still have won that. We're now going into uncharted territory, even with the trebles. You know, the day we won the Invincible Treble, and then... Say when you've come out after a treble, treble, and you're getting emotional because I personally didn't believe the football and authorities would ever have allowed us to win that. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought the referees would have had to get involved. So we're progressing like no other club. It's great that we have such great Celtic people in charge of a club, but the lifeblood of Celtic, and I'm not going to get away for this today, is the Celtic fans. Mm-hmm. Now, they might be the guy in Germany, they might be the guy in Venezuela. I get contacted a couple of months ago because somebody heard me on a podcast from Russia, Ralph Collins, and he made a donation to Rock Talk because they're brilliant. sitting, listen, in Russia. They're all working in these pipelines, and we are the lifeblood are getting Celtic talk when they're sitting off doing their work. Their work's finished, they need something Celtic. That's brilliant
3: to hear. That's amazing to hear, isn't it? Yeah. And they were able to donate to Rock Talk.
4: To fro- Rock Talk.
3: Superb. Now, any opportunity whatsoever to bring up Rock Talk. So now that you've mentioned it, Steve, how important has that been during the, the lockdown? I know we've mentioned it before, but, you know, someone may be tuning in for the first time who's struggling, struggling through this this situation we're in, but just struggling in general with their mental health. Um, tell us all about Rock Talk. Let us know what it is you do, how people can get involved.
4: I initiated Rock Talk, well, it's maybe about a year ago now, but it's a Sunday morning. For eleven o'clock, and it's just eleven o'clock to one. People come in, and we just sit and have a roll sausage, a cup of tea. We talk about the football, and then we challenge people's week, how it's went, the mental health aspect, what we can do to help them, and what help they need from us. That's the concept of it, and that still takes place every Sunday morning. During the pandemic, after about four to six weeks, when the sort of you were allowed to go out, we opened up the club. And people weren't working, they were furloughed, they were getting frustrated in the house. So, we then created a wee men's working group. Mm -hmm. So, they came in every day and they would get tasks to fulfill. And I think these men are a complete inspiration to anybody. They're still there to this day. The transformations they've made, they've never looked for a penny for their work, their endeavours, their skills they're real, real credit to themselves and their family and they're still there to this day. If I go back up and I leave here, they'll be there working and they'll tell me what they've done during the day. The place is absolutely beautiful down to these guys working away.
3: No, that's brilliant. And again, you know, I'm no expert, but we do go out to a big audience now, Stevie, and if anybody is struggling and they want to talk about it, we know people. We know people who we can put you in touch with.
4: You can't shy away from this new, and it's no uh, a competition. You know, people say, "Oh, suicide pandemic." It's not a competition; they're two totally separate things. The pandemic has caused people, even people in good employment, who would go to an office environment, catch up with our colleagues, work away, have a wee catch up around the tea machine, the coffee machine, talk across the desk. They're now working from home. Mm-hmm. And some people are really, really finding that extremely difficult because it's total isolation. Yeah. You know, and you can go into a wee conference call at 11 o'clock with your colleagues, it's not the same with face-to-face interaction with people. You know, even if you are having to do it through wearing a mask, talk to people and engage with people. It's mm-hmm. You can't even bother it up, but it'll, it'll really affect you.
3: Oh, definitely. It's It's something that... Maybe in the past we took it for granted, Stevie, but if you go days on end without any human interaction, it starts to, to become damaging. Well, so
4: some of the offices, Paul, have been told they won't be going back to March at the earliest. Mm. That's a full calendar year that people haven't had that social interaction with their work colleagues. Now, if they're in a domestic environment, well, they stay at their self or mm. they've only got a young child or maybe two young children. They might not be in a relationship. How hard is that? Mm you know, now you're getting stopped again for seeing different households. We really need to be aware of the situation and people need to be aware that don't bottle us up. You know, there's loads of great help out there, are great organisations, mm-hmm. get involved. They're all there for the same reason as you. You won't be an isolated case and you won't stick out like that sort of You're only one of the people who are there. That's
3: great and uh, we'll continue to highlight the work that you do at Rock Talk as much as we possibly can, Stevie, on a Celtic state of mind. Magnet 67, good to see uh, that you're joining us via YouTube. Our fan base truly is a family and more. We are a force for social good. Look at the amazing stuff that the Green Brigade organised to help the communities across the country keep up the great work. Yeah, big shout out to the Green Brigade, they do some
4: fantastic work, don't they? I've had a lot of interaction with the Green Brigade because we obviously facilitate. As
1: the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: The anti-discrimination tournament at James McGrory Park. Mm-hmm. They're fantastic guys. You know, and quite different in their aspects and their age group to maybe what people would expect them to be. They're no young boys, a lot of them are sort of men, but they really conduct themselves very, very well. They've got great ideas, they're very respectful and they're welcome back at James McGrory, anything.
3: Now, you know, another thing, um, Stevie, we were talking earlier about, obviously, you know, th- there's so many people that you come into contact with It's just been called the Celtic family. But within the world of Celtic, as a Celtic supporter, that had it not been for Celtic, Celtic are the magnet, aren't they? Had it not been for Celtic, you wouldn't know loads and loads of people that you get to know and and become firm friends with. But there's so many people pass through the gates at Celtic Park and uh, more so now than ever in terms of playing personnel as well. And there was a player that came and went, uh, probably not even a footnote in the in the history of uh, Brennan Rodgers' time at Celtic, and it was Charlie Musonder. But it was saddened to read this morning that uh, Charlie Musonder has been told by specialists that his career is over at the age of just 23 now. He's still a Chelsea player. He came to Celtic uh, during the time of Brennan Rodgers. He made eight appearances and scored one goal. He's got 51 under caps for Belgium. I mean, when we brought him in... His loan fee was over £2 million, which shows you the kind of stature and the level and the pedigree of that boy at that time. And um, he's had major knee trouble since leaving Celtic Park. Uh, I seen a quote this morning, I'll keep training and believing in the impossible comeback. Sad to hear, any any player, but it's sad to hear a player like Charlie, who obviously we, we know, having played for Celtic.
4: Absolutely heartbreaking. You know, the the work to, to get an amount of caps... He's obviously been a, an absolute star as a kid coming through. To get to that age, you know, you're thinking you're just ready to make the breakthrough into the big time, you know, and not a, a claim and stardom that comes with it. To be hit with that news that your career's finished, mm-hmm. that's something that has to be managed as well. It's not just his football career that's finished, that whole part of his life, yeah. you know, where... It's morning, noon, and night, as we spoke about before, the 24 hour, seven day a week athlete. Yes. That that finishes. So, how does somebody like Charlie Massander, who's still only a, a kid, deal with that mm-hmm. away from the park? That's something where you would hope Chelsea would incorporate him into something where he becomes a coach, but part of the staff, so he's just no cut off at 23 years of age. And his days are full He's nothing to fool
3: mm-hmm. It goes back to What we've been discussing In relation to uh, Your mental wellbeing Steve. when you're a footballer And I don't know Because I wasn't there I've spoken to plenty of players That your whole life You know your childhood Your schooling Everything revolves around football Sometimes to the detriment Of your schooling And your education And I, I'm not saying that Stereotypically But your focus is on football So by the time you're 23 You have nothing else If that's taken away from you, that could really harm you uh, mentally as well.
4: I reckon everybody apart from my family that I know is basically through football. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you're a footballer and saying that, I didn't make any great strides in professional football or anything. But if I went into the town on a Saturday night or went to the dancing on a Saturday night, I would know loads of people through football. Mm -hmm. You know, guys who would maybe start a works team you fancy play for us? So I would then go and play for a works team. Say it was like Govan Shipyards. If you Govan, you go and play, and that's other guys. You back out to the car. Like, oh, how are you doing? So football's a great social aspect. Hmm. And big Andy Cameron, who you've met through the show as well. Andy's great with youths, and I says to him, "What would be your thing?" He says, "Always try and get them a job." I'm not sorry, not a job. Get them a game in a football team. Mm-hmm. He says, why would you do that? He says, because then they've got the social aspects. If they're going out after the game and you're not working and you're on the team, somebody will know my dad's looking for somebody, my work's looking for somebody. So then gets him into employment. He says, football's the greatest thing you can give to kids to play.
3: Oh, 100%. I agree with that. I mean, again, not even as, as far as yourself, I never kicked a ball after about the age of 18. But you meet people 20 years later or more. Um, And it's through football that you know them And it's incredible all these years later That that link's still there It's so important on a a social level In a a social um, environment And that's why it's difficult as well For all these people that devote their life To football teams who are not professional teams And youth teams um, Who can't play And you know These uh, regulations that are coming in They're so disappointing So disappointing for so many people And we'll lose a lot of people to the game
4: even if you look at your own show, everybody comes in here. What have you all got in common, Celtic football. Company. Exactly. So you've known all these guys. Now you're putting out a fantastic product. That's a new media, but your base level for you's all Celtic football. Company. Celtic. That's a connection. You know. So football has brought all you together. Then you'll meet people that they know. So that starts expanding as well. It, it, it's absolutely fantastic. Anybody who's listening, you've got children or anything, I know that'll be curtailed a wee bit because of the pandemic, get them involved in football team, boys and girls. It's grow a real growing sport, the girls football, get them involved. It's great.
3: It's brilliant. You get to see a bit of the world, even as a youth, you yep. know, travelling around, playing in tournaments as well. So yeah, all the best to Charlie Musonda. He's still fighting. He reckons he, he might come back. It's, he's called it the impossible dream.
4: Call, hopefully the boy can maybe do the same as Marvin Andrews, you know, and just play on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it can be overcome, but usually the specialist will be right most of the time.
3: It always takes me back when I hear that, and it is sad, but um Celtic win the European Cup 1967. Had social media been around back then during the pre-season or the transfer window even though it wasn't a window that closed shut uh, it would have been carnage, Stevie because when you look back the players we bought the players that we brought in after we won the European Cup Pat McMahon from junior football Kilsyth and um, Chris Shevlin who had been told to retire whilst playing for Hearts and Jochstein got him out of retirement as a, as a cover For right back now. That was your two marquee signings after winning the European Cup. Imagine social media was kicking about back then.
4: I think probably Mr. Steen would have got criticism, and I think this is where Neil Lennon's probably even more fortunate because he seems to escape criticism because he's got so many high profile fans, you know, and if you dare say anything that they disagree with you get shouted down through the rooftops. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody should be above criticism if you think that they've done something wrong. We talk about, I heard even in the last couple of days, you know, about the transfer window and we're usually late to the party. We had two centre-forwards in situ when we played Ferage Farros. The guys were there.
3: Yeah. Now, one of the guys was Patrick Lamala. Now, I've been looking at Klumala, I've been looking at the striker situation. We're going to be talking to you about, at the moment, you predicted 11 because the one that we gave yesterday might have had Ryan Christie in it. Yeah. And it's a changing situation. Uh, and as we speak just now, Ryan Christie won't be one of those players. I'm hoping that, um, you know, after we've had our, our meeting uh, with the Scottish Government personnel, that a decision will be made on that, Stevie, because it does seem absurd to stick to um, a regulation when Christie's never shown any kind of positive result. He's done nothing wrong. The club have released a statement. And um, we're, we are hoping that Christie will be part of that. But today, we couldn't select him for the Celtic team. One of the questions yesterday is, who do we play up front? I was looking at Patrick Clamalla. Um He's a guy that you, you said no one should be um, above criticism. I criticised Clamalla at the beginning of the season. I didn't think he had what it took. To, to play for Celtic. I think he's proving me wrong. I think he's proving me wrong. Um, so I was having a wee look at Clamalla Because obviously he he's a guy that will definitely uh, be in line for a start. Whether or not Neil Lennon picks him is another question. And I'll ask you if you would pick him. He just turned 22 in August. So he's the same age as Edward. And um, you know, even for Poland under 21... ...where he is just now... um, ...because he is due to to play against Serbia tomorrow... uh, Three goals in nine... ...so prolific for his international team... ...he's made 11 appearances this season... ...scored three goals... ...that's a goal every 83 minutes... ...so he's been prolific... ...that's like a goal a game if you like... ...and um, he's only started one league game actually... ...and the question would be... ...does he start against Rangers... ...but the other question that we've been asking... ...over the last few weeks is... ...since James Forrest was injured... Where's our backup on the right? We expect him maybe to get someone out the right. I was looking at his previous career prior to coming to Celtic. He is also a right winger. Would we maybe consider him as backup should Frimpong get injured or lose his form? Is Clamalla an option elsewhere on the park as well as up front?
4: I've never seen him showing any defensive qualities, Paul. You know, So if he's a winger, he might just be a winger. Mm-hmm. You know, so then you would need to change the formation of your team. Tell Patrick Kamala to play wide. Mm-hmm. We we bit like Jeremy Frimpong because I I think Jeremy Frimpong has been really really impressive the last few games. But I don't think he's getting any defensive qualities, you know. So Kamala may follow that pattern. If you're asking me for the next game at Celtic Park against Rangers, no, no, for me to be wide right. No, right? no, no. we would be no centre forward. I think we would need to examine the whole thing. You know. I know you're talking about a team, but I think there's got to be a few things into consideration before you pick a team. You need to take the previous games that you've played against Rangers, where I think we've been overrun in the middle of the park. Yeah. You're going to be chasing, uh, facing something that nobody can give you an experience, which is an empty stadium. Have you ever walked out at Celtic Park and there's nobody in it? It's a very, very emotional mm. thing. You walk out that tunnel and you only see the ghosts of the past, you know. I was lucky enough to do it when the jungle was there, you know, and that's your time. Now you get, you've got this view bit, and you think of are the people that went before you, the great Celtic players. So you get a wee bit emotional when it's empty, mm-hmm. and it looks bigger than what you do if you walk out and it's full. So you need to have players who can overcome that emotion. Then you need players who can overcome the fact that there's no vocal backing for the magnificent Celtic support. Yeah, so they've got to go on with a totally different mindset. Bearing in mind, you know, if you is it okay to talk about Rangers on the show? You know, that's who our opponent's got to be, right? Rangers are a wee bit like Nando's, <laughs> right? All the real work's done in the kitchen, and it looks nice when it comes outside. The boy Bill is the main driving force at Rangers. Stephen Gerrard's the bit that's outside. He's the theatre. He's a big name, what's getting done. So if you're going to play Rangers, in my opinion, the three threats that Rangers post to you, they're two fullbacks and mm-hmm. Ryan Kent. Yeah. I don't think there's another threat in the team. So if you go back to the 29th of December, Rangers played three up front, and every time we threw the ball out, they were on to of good guys in possession, Aya, Julien, started getting a bit panicky. At the other end, we backed off them. And you've got guys like Goldson coming out and hitting passes like Beckenbauer because we didn't close them down. So when you start against them a week on Saturday, you're starting with a point. So that's the worst I think you should come away with that game from. Because mm-hmm. I think we've got better players. I think we should have a better setup. So do you start the game to combat their players or do you become a wee bit more on the front foot with the threat of getting overrun? So that's the tactical balance that Neil Lennon's got to have, we, we have got a fantastic squad, so do you keep it tight for an hour, then unleash the big guns, you know, and hopefully run them ragged, or do you try and put them under pressure from the start of the game?
3: Exactly, well, I'm going to give you what I think we should do, and I'm, I'm thinking along the lines of attacking the two full-backs who you've mentioned, who, for all intents and purposes, I mean, Celtic fans, you know, generally we can look at a Rangers side and where they wouldn't get in our team, etc. Sometimes it's difficult to remain uh, kind of balanced when you're viewing the players, but obviously there's there's a few decent players in that squad. You know, you can't deny that, Stevie, exactly what you say there. And I think Barisic is a fantastic player. So what I would do is I would... St- you've got to start with Frimpong I mean what Frimpong's been doing over the last few games is tremendous even against St Johnson I'll ask you your thoughts on that as well just in a few moments so Frimpong on the right is it a risk to start with Laxalt on the left I'm going to go for it I'm going to start Laxalt on the left and get the two of them attacking the two fullbacks who you've already mentioned pin them back pin the two fullbacks back because they are the two players uh, within that team or two of the main players in that team that I think can harm you Barkas is is a first choice every day of the week and you're then looking, do I play with the three centre-halves? Yes, even though Laxalt and Frimpong are going to be bombing up and down the right um, and left and and, and I agree with you in in terms of Frimpong as a defender I don't think he's got that defensive quality you're probably looking for one of your centre-halves to to be covering quite a bit there Laxalt, I think that he's an up and down uh, the park player Stevie Ray, if he's watching, knows a wee bit more about uh, Laxalt as well. The question is, who do you play in the centre? Because I think Elhamid is a solid performer. He's a cool performer and he's very good behind Frimpong. I'm not going to start him. I think Julien and Ayer, which I still think is your best partnership if you were to pick two defenders, with Duffy. And I feel that Duffy is, is definitely improving Ayer. I think he's doing a lot of Ayers thinking for him. He's telling him where to go, he's telling him what to do. We've seen a lot less of Ayers galloping runs, haven't we? Yes. Is that down to Duffy? I don't know, but I think he's been a good influence on him. So Duffy is Julian and Ayers, but obviously in the back of your mind, the fact that Frimpong's defensive work isn't, I don't think, isn't the best. That may be countered by his pace. He can get into good positions, that's great, but once you're in that position, you've got to make sure you're making a difference. Brown and McGregor, in many ways, pick themselves in, the, in the engine room, uh, the Celtic midfield, particularly Brown, uh, in, a, in a fixture like this. Normally, I'd have picked Christie to play in that. Is it even called a, a number 10 role? You know, that support man role. Christie's out of that game today. That might change. I hope it does. Then the question is do you, do you start Turnbull? I wouldn't. I'd start in Cham in there. Um, I'm a big fan of in Cham. And uh, I know that a lot of Celtic fans don't think he has the consistency. But he has performed well against Rangers. And I think that uh, in a game like this, he certainly isn't going to be phased. And I'm not saying Turnbull would be, Stevie. But we spoke about debuts in, in um, Celtic Rangers games in the past. And I'm giving a debut to salt. But the reason I don't think it's going to affect him as much is because he's, he's coming in from the unknown. Turnbull is, is a, a guy who knows a Scottish game and it might be too much in terms of the um, you know, the way that this game is, is built up, even without the crowd. Then the big question is, what do you do up front? I don't think Eduard's going to start under the circumstances. Um, I'm, I'm taking absolutely everything seriously in, in relation to his positive test. But also, he's going to be out of the country until the Friday night before the game. And hopefully we'll be able to uh, put a broadcast <laughs> out on that Friday night. So I would start with Eddie on the bench. It's been a lot obviously for him as well and um, we don't know in terms of his his own um, conditioning and his fitness how he's going to be feeling. Then you ask yourself the El Yunusi question. He came in, scored that goal, kept his place deservedly, went off the boil a wee bit since then but not to the concern. So who do you start? And I've already bigged up Klamala. I think Klamala's our fittest striker at the moment. I'm not going to start with him though. No. I'm going to start with El Yunusi playing just off Lee Griffiths. So that's my team. I think Griffiths will run run himself ragged, and run name Ragged for sixty minutes. Then you make that change, Klamallah comes in fully running, or Eddard comes in, or both. That's the team I would start with. Nothing shocking on the bench. I'm looking at Taylor, Turnbull, Elhamed, Roger, Sorrow, Eddie, Klamallah, Ayeti, and Bane. Again, you could have thrown Ayeti in there. Um is Griff fitter than Ayeti? When he's coming back from injury and Griffiths hasn't played many games, I don't know. It's difficult. That's a difficult position to choose. How would you shape your team
4: if you want to play Frimpong and Laxal in the team? And <coughs> I've constantly stayed on the show. I prefer three-five-two mm-hmm. on that particular day. If I want to play the two guys, I think you need to go four-five-one. I would have. El at right back, Mm -hmm. I would have Greg Taylor at left back, I would have Shane Duffy, and probably, just due to the circumstances, I would play Christopher Ayer next to him, and leave Julian out. Mm -hmm. I would have Frimpong, Laxell, White, a midfield three, Scott Brown, Callum McGregor, and Encham. Yep. And if we're basing this, that we're going to bring on the big guns after 60 minutes... I would start with Patrick Clamalla up front.
3: Start with him up front. I said uh, yesterday. Just, just to close yeah.
4: people down, you know, later on in the game, I would obviously want to bring on either, if Eddie's fit, if he's recovered, a Yeti or Griffiths, any two out of that three, then you've got, you could then go to your three five two become more expansive. If you're asking me, do I think this is a team Neil Leno's that way? No, a million years, I don't think Neil Lennon will start with that team. I think it's hard if you're the manager of a club to say this is how we want to play and then change it for a specific game but if you want to be a wee bit tactically aware do we bring Rangers out and counteract them the way we faced every other game we play because if they're coming at you then we can attack them so if you're going to have 3 5 2 4-5-1 there's millions of formations and they should be flexible where you can even sometimes you can go 4-3-3 Mm-hmm. It, it's a real, real dilemma for Neil he'll probably be having sleepless nights worrying about his players coming back for international duty to see who's available you know, we, we're only doing this basically as a bit of fun with the personnel that we know is available at present
3: well, I mentioned yesterday about Kamala. do I think Lenny will uh, start with him? I don't know, I think he might I actually think he might It's a a big question. Griffiths right, comes on and we're we're fully glee after he scores that goal and we're all chuffed for him. Of course we are. We've been banging on about Lee Griffiths all all season. How fit is he? How fit is he after that 15-20 minute run out? Yet he's coming back from injury. Eddie is in isolation at the moment. Clamall is a fittest guy on on the books at the moment up front.
4: I I think it's just to to close down. One of the best performances I've seen in recent years when we worked really, really hard was against Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yeah. and one of the points I was hoping to make today when we play against all these teams sitting in and we seem to struggle a wee bit now I think the best team in Europe if not the world just now is Bayern Munich Bayern Munich face that every time but they have devised a formation where they can overcome that but the most striking thing about their players and these are world class players is their work ethic you know, they don't stop. You've got Lewandowski getting into the left-back position to challenge to win the ball. Mm-hmm. Thomas Muller running the boot as if he's a sprightly kid. We can overcome that, but we just need to decide how we're going to target the Rangers game. Are we going to be offensive, try and put them under pressure, or go for the bases? We've got a point, and the worst we're coming away for is a point.
3: No, you're, I mean, again, I'll just run through my team again because I think at some point the mic dropped out and uh, very quickly it back on seamlessly seamlessly. but again the audience told us that it dropped out which is great Uh bar casting goals for me Stevie Duffy, Julian and I are at the back back three, Laxalt on the left Frimpong on the right the engine room is Brown and McGregor with Cham in front and I would start with Griff and El Yonussi how do you feel about El Yonussi in relation to the fact that we've got four strikers now where does he fit in the great scheme of things?
4: Well, that, that was one of the points I'd wrote down before I came through. I don't see where he fits in. If you've got four fit strikers, we've sort of came to the conclusion that he's not a wide left guy. He's not a central midfielder. So, where, where, where does he play? Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to play, and not, we take it where four strikers are fit, I don't mean particularly for the Rangers game, but when they're all fit, they've got to have a combination. Therefore, you've now got five centre-forwards. So where
3: does El Inussi fit into mm. the, the grand scheme of things? Mm-hmm. It's a difficult one because I think you know last season, if you'd asked me, he was a, he was on the left side every day of the week. This season, it just wasn't happening for him, Stevie. Then he had a few good performances on the back of his international performances in the last international break, more central, and you know he earned his place back in that team. Uh, but then again, I was looking at El Inussi, thinking to myself, do I go with Griffin and a Yeti? but then you're playing with your two two forwards then, really. El is just off griff. But, I, you know, with a strong bench, one of the players that you might have to be taking off is El Januski. You don't, you don't know what you're getting from him, really. I mean, when, when you think back to the St. Johnson game, what was, your, what was your thoughts on that? What was your takeaways from the St. Johnson game?
4: I thought we were really curtailed by the ineptitude of Nick Walsh, where we could have had a penalty after five minutes and it changes the whole dynamics of the game. Thought we were a bit ponderous. There was two real concerns for me. One was when we allowed Shane Duffy to go up for three kicks, and then David Tumble was taking him short after we had praised all his great deliveries last week. If that would have been a Roy Keane, he'd have had David Tumble with a throw. It happened two or three separate occasions. This The goal was great, but again, we've got our two centre backs. Now, this isn't a coach, this is just sheer luck we have got two centre backs linking, which they both done in the St Mirren game before the ball got put in the middle part for Ryan Christie to deliver. When it works, it's great, but if you're that out of position, there's always a danger you'll concede a goal because you're no set up defensively in these situations. But absolutely brilliant with Christopher Ayer, defeat Dale Hamadin, a great ball, and absolutely off my seat when Lee Griffiths put the ball in the game. Absolutely fantastic goal.
3: So were we. I was talking to uh, Jim Simonetti just yesterday. He was asking why we were out of breath when we started doing our broadcast. because we're diving about this studio. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was that unbridled joy. Um, not only the fact that we were, you know, winning the game, but um, the fact that Lee Griffiths is back. I mean, we spoke about him a hell of a lot on this podcast. And we backed him. I think generally we backed him, Stevie. But there was doubts. There was doubts in my mind. Will we see him back? I, you know, is it wishful thinking? Am, am I letting my heart rule my head? All these things were going around my own uh, my own mind. So I'm, I'm delighted. I'm absolutely delighted that he's back and uh, I hope he can build on that.
4: I, th- I think it's great testimony to Neil Lennon and his backroom staff to get Lee Griffiths back playing yeah. for Celtic because probably the odds would have been against that happening but they've showed great patience with him and it's great character from Lee Griffiths to get his sell back yeah. whether they'd even consider having him in the team and to come back and have that effect and impact on a game was absolutely wonderful for him. When you spoke earlier about Christopher Iyer, I think it is Shane Duffy because I think Shane Duffy will be thinking, we're a defence and our priority is to prevent goals. Mm-hmm. So if Christopher Iyer is constantly wandering out of position and it's great when it works but Shane Duffy will be, you know, be feeling you're not getting exposed because you want to go and lengthy play. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's having an effect on how he's playing. Seems
3: to be doing a lot of stinking for him. Yep. You know, and that's great.
4: And the great thing as well is when you were able to watch the game on TV last week, as you can hear the talking that is doing. He's an absolute top class goalkeeper. His distribution, the fact that he'll come and take balls 12 yards for his goal line, is something Fraser Foster was magnificent for us, but wasn't he a, an attribute that he possessed.
3: No, I think it's brilliant. I, I can see Barkas developing into a bit of a cult icon amongst the Celtic fans. We're not there at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, but I think, yeah, I'm just watching him. I'm thinking back to some goalkeepers in the past who have uh, taken to our heart. One being Arthur Boric, who ended up in loads of Celtic fans' greatest ever side. Even though, you know, th- there was occasions where he could make a mistake here in the STV. But um, we love Arthur Boric, and I think we're beginning to, to, to warm to Barkas.
4: But the, the great thing about goalkeepers, great goalkeepers shrug off a mistake. Mm-hmm. Because everybody, it doesn't matter oh, where you're playing a part, you're going to make a mistake. The great goalkeepers shrug it off and go on. They'll blame a defender. They know it's their fault, but they'll blame somebody else. The guys who don't hit the peaks worry about it and then their whole performance crumbles. Barkas, a couple of wee mistakes last week. Mm-hmm. Nothing major. But he just gets on it the yeah. next thing he comes. So that's, that's out the picture. He, he'll be a very, very good goalkeeper for us.
3: Didn't affect him in the slightest by yeah. the looks of it. Um, so we could be without Eduard. We could be without Christie. And uh, Celtic spoke about his adherence to all relevant protocols. Um, the aim to open dialogue with the Scottish Government uh, to fully understand the situation in relation um, to the quarantine, you know, Uh, After the situation With Armstrong Getting sent home from uh, The Scotland camp It's frustrating for Celtic It's frustrating for the fans And the players We've got so many players Out on international duty Both full internationals And under 21 Stevie I just hope we don't hear Of anybody else Either contracting the virus Or being exposed To the virus
4: I've never met Ryan Christie I've got absolutely no doubt To doubt his version of events Because Football players, they're young men, you know, they're, they're out and about, they're usually men about touting, but they know the protocols. Mm-hmm. Anybody who ignores them after the ball and golly thing, you know, they, they know the punishment Scott can do, and I don't doubt for a minute that Ryan Christie has been 100% honest and truthful in his version of accounts, and again, I think we have to challenge it, and any other players who sort of fall foul of this rule, I think we need to see the evidence that they've done something wrong.
3: Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Now, one last point I'm going to make. You, you opened up talking about the, the
4: threat. You've got to look at the threat
3: of your opposition, no matter who it is. And I agree with you. I think the fullbacks are a threat. So my game plan is, uh, from my tactical mind, Stevie Frimpong and Laxalt attack the 2 fullbacks from the get-go. And as you said before, we've got the, the personnel. If you need to then go back to a a more defensive formation. We've got the personnel there that can do it and we've got the substitutes and it's a strong bench. Can I ask you for a prediction? Is it too early in the week to ask you for a prediction? We don't know fully who is going to be available at the moment. I
4: think if we're going to do this show next Friday night, Paul, I think once we see who's available, because we should have a much clearer picture before Mm -hmm. the Saturday, you know, who's going to be available, who's all back, no injury, then I think that's the time for predictions.
3: Now... Just to, to take you up on that, uh, we will be doing a, a Friday night show.
4: Yeah,
3: uh, we normally go out at 12.30, but we will be doing a Friday night show. It won't be a phone-in, uh, but uh, I think looking at the analytics, that the busiest time that we see is between 6 and 8, so it might be later. It might be later than that, but it certainly will be a night-time show, and I'm sure everybody will be getting involved the night before the Rangers game.
4: I think it's one of those things, I certainly know from my own experience that after everybody's away to bed and you're you're sitting and you're just thinking about the game the next day, you wish you had like-minded people to talk to you about the game. Mm-hmm. So uh, if we are in front of you and you can engage through the social media platforms, then I think it should be a, a real good show and we'll be able to discuss everything that's going to happen relevant to the following day.
3: I'm looking forward to it. Uh, now, we've had loads of comments coming in and thanks everybody for letting us know if there's any technical issues whatsoever because we want to put out a show that's perfect every time. doesn't always happen. We drop the ball from time to time uh, but it's great if you tell us that the, the mics have dropped out and we're able to get them back up and running. So, thanks everybody for joining us. But all that's left for me to say is to Stevie Mullen, thank you again for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind.
4: No, absolute pleasure, Paul. Thank you. <laughs>
5: People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part, Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for two hundred and fifty dollars off. Text BZ to two zero three two zero three. That's B A S Y to two zero three two zero three. This week on
1: the Marketers Report, Patrizio Spadano.